Welcome to another edition of Garden Talk. Hi, Larry Miller here, and I'm pleased to bring back Tova Martin to the show. Tova's a horticulturist, author, freelance writer, photographer, lecturer, and is one of the country's best-known garden writers, lecturers, and PBS television producers. She's also the author of Tasha Tudor's Garden. Always great to talk with her, uh, and today we'll visit about bringing garden plants in for the winter, and of course, take your other gardening questions and plant questions as we move along. And I hope you'll join in. What would you like uh, help with keeping an outside plant healthy until spring? What questions do you have for uh, maybe transitioning your plants indoors? Number to call is 800-642-1234. It's 1-800-642-1234. Or you can send an email to ideas at WPR.org. Ideas at WPR.org. Tova Martin, welcome back. Good to have you with us. It must be autumn. (laughs) I'm talking to Larry. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, are you losing any plants yet out there with the frost or not? Well, you know, we're supposed to have a frost on Monday um, evening. But uh, I have already started bringing plants in, and I want to give a big plug for getting started early um, because the more prep time you can give yourself, the better chances you have of your plant making that easy transition from outdoors to in. Yeah, and it's – I've already (laughs) – I should have started a little earlier – on at least a, a few plants, but oh well. Uh, you know, a lot of people have really beautiful annuals. Can they be, what can we do to save them? Well, you know, Larry, I think that is, uh, that's a, a little territory that isn't well enough explored because I have brought celosias indoors. I have brought many annuals indoors, especially if they're already potted, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I bring them indoors, and they continue to perform for quite a long time. I find the ones that work the best are the ones that don't really absolutely need bright, bright sun. But, you know, I've even brought snapdragons in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and And had them bloom indoors I, I you know i think that's i think that's a territory that needs to be explored more fully really yeah what about house plants that have spent the summer outside you know well, that's something um, we you know you want to transition them back in yeah um you know the when you transition back in uh, that's why I'm saying I'm thinking the lead time might be good because I find it's valuable to give them a little bit of time before the furnace is really, you know, <laughs> blasting. I find that they they like that little transition where they're, you know, you don't have the furnace on quite yet, maybe, but um, they're indoors. Um, so I find that's very, very helpful. And if you can sort of give them as much light as you possibly can, um, you know, it, it, in a, the brightest window you could possibly think of. 
But um, going back to um, annuals, yeah, um, Larry, I, one thing I've found that works best is that if you've got something in a container that's like a mixed container and several annuals in a container together, just break them apart and pot them individually. That works much better than the combo, you know, them competing with each other in a windowsill situation. You know, that's a good idea. I yeah. Hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but... Uh, yeah, I should have. It's hard to get them, you know, because usually those containers are kind of largish. It's hard to get the, you know, everything balanced light. Yeah, that makes sense. Mary in Plover has a question for you, so let's go there. Mary, hi, thank you for calling. Good morning. Uh, we haven't had a hard freeze here yet, and many of my plant seeds that I like to bring in, like marigolds and zinnias, they haven't really died yet. I'm going to go on a long trip. I wonder if I can just pull some of those out and dry them in the house and then collect the seeds, or how should I collect those seeds? Ooh, um, I can use them next year. Good question. Um, you know, I, it, I, it, I guess it sort of depends on how, if the flowers have just opened or if, um, if not. But um, you can definitely, I mean, it's definitely worth a try. Absolutely worth a try. Um, I guess that would be uh, on the marigolds. Uh, you could even try to dig up a little plant and bring it in and see if you can set get it to mature indoors. Yeah. Um, the zinnias a little harder. They're a little bo- bit more light. You know, they need a brighter light usually. Yeah, you'd have to have a grow light on them, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Mary. I, you know, why not just give it a try and see what the heck? <laughs> you're, not out, you're not out anything by trying, for sure. Exactly. Uh, thanks for calling. You can join in, too. Number to call, 800-642-1234, or you can email us to ideas at wpr.org, ideas at wpr.org. Got an email from uh, Gail in Madison, Emailed to say her tuberous begonias are beautiful just now. How can she bring them in? They're potted. You know, they are, uh, it's on their schedule to go dormant now um, or in the the fall. So they are going to decline um, no matter what, Uh, you know, unless they're like a Rieger or something like that. But uh, which is sort of like a semi-tuberous. Um, but most of the tuberous ones are summer performing, and they will be um, declining now. So um, it's best to just let them slip into their dormancy and uh, by, by withholding water and that sort of thing. Now, hers are potted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in the pot, um, withhold water, and um, and and just let them, just let them slip into in, into you know decline. They're not gonna they're not gonna really make great house plants for the winter. Yeah, well, can you? And then you uh, are you suggesting to keep them over? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely, Gail. Um, Gail, you can just uh, put them into um, just uh, store them. You can either take the tubers out of the soil or you can, um, which is what, you know, a lot of people do because the, the pots are usually sort of large on the tuberous. But um, you can or you can just stop watering them and keep them in their pots if you don't mind storing that large container. And then in uh, t- toward the end of winter, that's when they, you know, you can start watering them again and get them thinking about growing again. Usually it's January, February, that sort of thing. And so don't apply, don't put keep the soil at all moist, just don't water it at all until uh, January or February? Yeah, yeah, they do. It, it, those tubers would rot if you kept trying to water them. Yeah, okay. There you go, Gail. Thank you very much for calling. Jerbet in Harrisville, uh, we go to you now. Thank you for calling. Good morning. I have morning. some perennials uh, that have over, overtaken my uh, hostess. In my perennial bed, I want to know if I should transplant those uh, transplant those perennials now or wait till spring to do it. Uh, do you, can you tell us ex- uh, what what perennials they are on the hot? Oh boy, I wish I could. I can't tell you. Oh, okay, well, they're big, tall, big, tall flowering plants. I would say, and Larry, you might want to chime in on this no. too, but I'm thinking it's kind of late. Um, to reestablish, what I usually do is wait. I wait till spring. I just remember, you know, make a note to myself to do it because you get so busy in spring. But um, I hear you that you want to get a a, a a leap on on your spring chores, but um, it's probably a little late to do dividing on most things. Yeah, I. I think you're better off waiting until spring. You can maybe, if if you know if everything disintegrates, you maybe want to mark <laughs> mark the plants that you want to with a little stake or something, so that you know where they are in the spring. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're going to have better luck if you uh, do it in the spring, Jer. But thank you very much for calling. Appreciate it. Uh, you can trade into 800-642-1234. Let's go to an email uh, from Rachel. Uh, she wanted to ask if the small flies that come from the soil of her house plants are fruit flies. They're smaller. Also, can she control them organically? She uses cinnamon on the soil, and it seems to help. Interesting. Um, that is very interesting. Um, you know, um, they really don't do any harm, harm, those tiny little, um, they, they don't do any harm, uh, to the plant, but they are terribly unsightly, I know. Um, now, one thing that a lot of people do is they, um, if they have a big problem is they top dress their, uh, soil with, with pebbles or something like that, or even river stones, um, that that diminishes it's it's that moist soil that that is really attracting them and uh something that you can do to uh, uh just as a 
a cultivation practice is let your soil dry out a little bit between waterings. Don't keep it very, very moist. I also find that soils that don't have vermiculite in them, that soils with maybe perlite instead of vermiculite, seem to, for me, that they work better. That's a good point. And, and usually if you're waiting, the plant will tell you if it needs water. Yeah, um, it is. It is a little hard to figure out whether you um, whether you need water or you don't need water when you've got the pebbles on top. I hear you on that, but um, it does. It, it definitely does reduce them th- that issue. Thanks for that question. Let's go to Megan in Nina, Wisconsin. Hi, Megan. Hi. I had a passion fruit vine outside that did really well, and it had beautiful buds, but they never got to open up. So we dug it up and brought it inside with its trellis, and the leaves are turning um, yellowish. They're falling Mm -hmm. off. Some are getting dry. Some are not. I'm wondering if it's possible to bring it back or if I should let it go dormant. Um, That's a really good question. They they need a lot, a lot of light, passion fruit passion flowers so um you uh, and there there's only a very few that are hardy outdoors actually but um what you want to do you know sometimes they can kind of make it through the winter in a dormant state uh they probably won't make much new growth without a lot of light but you can often just keep them going you know i when you were digging them they have they do have a massive root system and you probably weren't able to get that whole massive root root system up and they're probably reacting to that by you know complaining <laughs> <laughs> oh man should you trim that you know given that you can't get that root that whole root system, is there a way to trim the plant back then, the vine back? Larry, that's a really good idea. Um, I I think that's a great idea, that you should take and trim. You've probably got a lot of growth, especially if you took it with a trellis. Sounds like it was climbing around. So um, just cut that back to maybe six inches, um, and, and it will probably make... It's when it when it it gets a lot of light again, it'll probably make new growth from the base from the root system actually. Yeah, Megan, there you go. Thank you so much uh, for calling. Appreciate uh, your call. Tova Martin, our guest today, the author of many a gardening book, and she's got a a, a really nice website as well. It's uh, tovamartin.com. And uh, take a look at it. I've I've got it up in front of me right now, and she's got lots of good information on it. Well, Jill Nadeau's our producer today. Trina LaSusa, our engineer. I'm Larry Mueller for Garden Talk on the Ideas Network. Thanks so much for joining us for Garden Talk on the Ideas Network. Larry Mueller here with my guest, Tova Martin, having some fun talking about, well, among other things, overwintering plants indoors. Questions, give a call at 800-642-1234. Email to ideas at wpr.org. 
Uh, let's take another call. Tiani in Wisconsin Rapids, thank you for calling. What's on your mind? Hi. I'm, yeah, I'm wondering about overwintering basil, rosemary, uh, and sage. I have them in potted plants right now outside, uh, but I'd like to bring them in and extend their life. Basil, rosemary, and sage. You know, um, I think that you, you, it's definitely, again, it's definitely worth a try on all of those. But um, the easiest one in that little grouping would be the sage. Sage is a great houseplant, actually. I do it every year. Um, makes a lovely houseplant. And you can, did you say they're actually growing in the garden or are they potted? They're in pots right now. Okay, great. So just make sure that you've got a large enough container for it. Um, they, uh, you know, herbs in general, uh, for some reason, have the deepest roots of all. The, have you noticed that, Larry? <laughs> yes. They have the deepest roots. They go straight down. I, it's a, especially rosemary. Um, it's hard to keep up with it. Um, so you might want to make sure that it, they have a large enough container, plenty of root room, especially a deep pot I find works best. So um, rosemary is a little bit more of a challenge. Rosemary likes um, it likes a cooler, cool, cool environment, and um, it can get mildew, which just looks like oh, powdery mildew on it just looks a little... The foliage looks a little ghostly, turns a little whitish. Um, so they, they, that can be a little bit of a challenge. Keep it cool. Keep it, give it as much light as you possibly can. Basil is just the opposite. Basil likes it warm, um, but a lot of sun. So uh, basil, um, there are certain varieties of, of basil work better than others. Um, some of the Genovese types work well um, as, you know, houseplants. You can do some of the columnar types. The little-leaved ones work well as houseplants. But your best shot at that is to just give it as much light as you possibly can. Yeah, I'd, I would uh, rank them uh, in, in terms of... Um, uh, success as uh, number one, sage, number two, basil, number three, rosemary for here. Yeah. Yep. That's a good rating. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Tiani. Give it a shot. See what happens. Oh, boy. Nancy and Okachi, we'll go to you. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I, I think I misunderstood what the topic was because I was calling just about an outdoor plant. I have... Um, they're like miniature hydrangea plants. They only get to be about two and a half feet tall. And I was just wondering, do I cut those totally down in the winter now? You know, I cut my um, hydrangeas, uh, you know, if they if it got those beautiful flower domes still, you know, dried, like dried flowers, I leave those a uh, little while because they still look pretty. Um, and... And there's no harm in it. You know, you might as well get as much bang for the buck, your buck, as you possibly can on them. There's absolutely no harm in leaving those um, flower spikes. But if they are, 
you know, gangly, if they look like they're, or if you're trying to keep them shaped, if you are worried that the flower domes are going to, you know, take to the wind in the winter and end up all over your neighbor's property, um, you know, you, you can cut those back. There's no harm in cutting them back now. Um, but it's not necessary. I guess that's the answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. Nancy, thank you so much for calling. And just uh, by way of clarifying, Nancy was perfectly fine to call about about that outdoor plant. You can, if you've got something that does not relate to overwintering plants indoors, that's perfectly fine. So either way, give us a call at one 800 or again, you can email us the email address ideas at wpr.org. I know you've mentioned, I think, in the past that we should consider bringing in shade-loving perennials as well. I am so big into it this year. <laughs> it is my little pet project here. And I have to tell you that I've had some surprising success. I really have. I I even bring in a juga, you know, the bugleweed. I bring in, uh, you know, and it, 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 it's sort of overlooked in the garden, and you grow it as a house plant, and it's a gem, a total gem. You 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 get a new respect for it. <laughs> <laughs> Creeping Jenny, Keeping Jenny. I just bring it in and and as I again it's like a little gem um I bring in cre- uh creeping times I bring in hookahs I bring in hookahs you know the foam flower I bring in tiarellas um and I bring I have even brought in miniature hostas <laughs> Uh, what else? I, 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 I have um, a, a lot of the sedges, the grasses. Yeah. I, I really like those indoors. I, I, I brought in some um, variegated. Um, I don't know how you pronounce it. I call it the liriope, mm-hmm. but um, I brought those in, and they make great house plants, especially the variegated ones. I uh, and they they must uh, require different conditions when you do bring them in or not. Do you just bring them in and they all kind of get the same treatment? Surprisingly, <laughs> <laughs> they do fine. They, I, you know, I don't give them. I, I don't put them in a very cold room. They don't go dormant. But I. I you know, everybody was, especially with the hosses, everybody was saying to me, oh, they won't work. They were fine. I even brought in the Hakanakloa grass, and that finally went dormant in February. But I got a good three months of, you know, wow, wow out of that. <laughs> good for you. And Well, why not give it a try? What the heck? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can always plant them outside again in the spring, and I do a lot. I, I, I scoop them up, and especially something, you know, what a caller earlier, um, Jim, 
who was talking about that his perennials were crowded, he said they were kind of tall, so they probably wouldn't work. But if you have, you know, sort of small perennials and you want to divide them anyway, uh, that this is, you know, a way of enjoying them and then, you know, getting as much maximum benefit from them and then put them where the new place where they're going to be moved the next year. That sounds, you know, I could divide one of those hostas yeah, and give it a try. It would be kind of, oh, it would be fun. I, well, I've got time this weekend. <laughs> mm. The only thing I haven't tried is when they've already gone do- dormant Yeah, and trying to bring them out of that. I haven't tried that. I, I did once with a salvia. I brought it. It was a total mistake. I I just thought that I better bring the pot in because I didn't want to freeze. The plant had already gone dormant and boop, popped up again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have... we have lots of callers online with uh, questions for you, Tova. Okay. Let's go to Andrew in Hoka, Minnesota. Hi, Andrew. Yeah, hi. Um, thank you all for taking my call today. I've got questions on two different species. I'll start with one. If we got time, we'll go to the other. So I've got a Chicago hardy fig tree that I uh, acquired this year. It's in a three-inch pot yet. It's only about five, six inches tall. It's got four leaves on it. Um, the house that I have is, it's only got windows on what is currently facing east, so I don't have the best southern access on any window. Um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm debating between trying to entice it into going dormant and then just overwintering it, maybe burying the pot in the ground underneath my mobile home, like with some insulation shroud around it or some such, or would I be better off trying to take that inside and limp it through the winter inside the house? Well, funny you should ask, <laughs> because <laughs> I've just been thinking about the same thing. And um, the uh, the Chicago hardy fig is not, you know, not reliably reliably hardy. So um, your idea, it's going. First of all, it's going to go dormant. They're they're going to begin to lose leaves anyway and look like a stick. Um, so there's several ways you could handle that. Um, you could, uh, you know, if it's potted, uh, you can just bring it in this year. It's not so. It sounds like it's not so big that you couldn't just bring it in this year and, you know, give it the comfort of your home. It will go dormant even inside. So don't panic. Okay. <laughs> It's not dying. There's always this worry about between whether it's dead or dormant. Um, it's probably just dormant, and it'll come out of it in the spring. But um, you could also try, you know, you got, that's a brilliant idea of underneath your mobile home. That's, a, you know, kind of a, a great idea, and you might have to, you might have to do that in the future, um, you know, you know, move it. A lot of people put them on, like, the, the um, south side of the house um, in, you know, a, a protected situation. And they also take and kind of 
the, the surprisingly the branches are a little bit pliable, so you can lay them down and cover them with um, a, a heavy, you know, a heavy layer of of mulch, you know, of of leaves or even um, of wood chips. And that, during the winter. Yeah. And but I'm thinking if you're in um, anywhere in Wisconsin, you, um, you're you probably going to have to protect that plant. Yeah, and he, he's in Minnesota, but it's the same difference. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same difference. And, and, Andrew, you had a question about a habanero plant? Yeah, exactly. So I've got a habanero plant that, you know, I, got, I was late in, in planting it outside, and it was kind of suffering in the beginning of the season through plantation or transplant shock. And, of course, like right as the season starts um, starts ending up, this thing is just shooting out, putting on tons of fruit, tons mm. of flowers. And it's a beautiful plant that it would be nice to reap the benefits of all that year's growth next year. But that would mean that I'd have to limp it alive all winter long. And I've tried doing that in the past where mm. I dug it, I dug it up, I put it in a pot, trimmed mm. off, you know, most of the branches beside, like more or less down to two branches. Um, all the leaves fell off, and I kept it watered all winter long, and it was thinking that it was still alive. And turns out, probably I was just watering a dead plant all winter long. And <laughs> is, I'm looking for like any kind of advice that might help me have a better chance of success this year, because I'm for sure going to try, and I would hate to just do the same thing that I did last year. Oh boy, um, Andrew, I don't know what to tell you on that one because peppers are really highlight plants yeah um, they really uh you know i i would think it would be even hard to winter them over in a greenhouse um to tell you the truth i i you know i know people do greenhouse tomatoes but i've actually not heard much about greenhouse peppers do you want to chime in on that one larry well i was thinking if i was going to try it i'd probably want some kind of grow light yeah, uh, because they really do need a lot of <laughs> a lot of light. They really do. Um, it it's just really hard to get any of those highlight vegetables happy. Yeah, you know. Um, well, give it as know. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give it as much light as you possibly can, and just give it a try, <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. And- Larry, should we give the it's worth a try advice? <laughs> I think it's well, he's gonna try whether we say no don't do it or not. That's what <laughs> the sound of it. So give it as much light as you can and and uh hope for the best, uh, Andrew. Thanks a lot for calling. Appreciate it. Oh boy. Jenny and Stoughton, we'll go to you. Hi, Jenny. Hi, happy Friday. To you I as have well. A question about thanks. I have a question about a, a plant that's called a firecracker plant or it's sometimes sold as a vermilionaire that's very attractive to hummingbirds and I was just curious if there is any way to trim it back kind of like the last caller cut off the leaves and um, keep it happy for the winter or is it just seasonal and I'm just going to have to buy it every year for the hummingbirds you should uh, did, did you say another name on that firecracker because there's a few different firecrackers yeah, um, it's got a registered trademark, and it says ver- vermilionaire or large firecracker plant. Okay. Um, the 
most of those firecrackers make fine houseplants. They they really do. Um, is it in a pot now, or is it in the by ground? the patio so I can attract the hummingbirds and they're beautiful. But so it's it in, in a, a pot. pot. It is yes. Mm. So yes, you can. Um, you should be able to bring it indoors. They like as much light as you can possibly give them. So south would be optimal. But uh, you know, rotate it uh, every few weeks to balance that light, but they they are fine houseplants. They really are. They make great houseplants, actually. So, it, yes, that's worth a try. Yeah, give it a shot, Jenny, and thank you for calling. Uh, let's go to Marilyn in South Range. Hi, Marilyn. Hi. Um, ever, for the last two winters, I've been overwintering uh, Gerbera daisies. And I've had quite a bit of success with them. They kind of look like they're dying, but you start them again in the fall, in the spring, and put them outside, and they perk up and everything. I've even had uh, daisies flowering in the middle of the winter, February. Wow. So it's really kind of fun to see a flower like that. Yeah. I mean, that is... That is a great idea because they do, again, these are, uh, uh, you know, unsung heroes of the windowsill. There we go. Unsung heroes. Um, they make great house plants. And what's better than getting a blossom, you know, one of those big fat daisies in the middle of the winter, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You must have a south window. Most of the time. I keep them in the living room in the north window. No uh, way. Wow. And it's a lot of light. There's a lot of light with them. And um, I've also, I have moved them down to, we have a hot tub inside the house in the basement. Mm. Uh-huh. And that's a south facing. So I have, uh, I think I have kept them there too. And, yeah. you know, because that moisture and, um in the south, south hot sun or warm sun. I think um, I think you just hit the nail on the head about um, the warmth because those do like a, a warm environment. They do best when it's warm in the house. And warm and moist. Mm, so the hot tub is like their <laughs> sauna treatment, <laughs> spa treatment. Uh, oh man, uh, Marilyn, go go with it, and thank you very much. You must be a good gardener, and you must have some really good conditions for growing those daisies. Thank you very much. It is fun. It would be fun. I uh, I shouldn't say it is fun because I haven't done it, uh, but it sure would be fun to have a daisy perking up uh, in the middle of winter. That is for sure. And they're such big daisies. Yeah, yes. Uh, Ellen in Delavan called, uh, couldn't stay with us. She says she's had different kinds of peppers growing in her house for a few years now. She puts them outside in the summer and then back in the house for winter under LED lights. Wow. Yeah, that's a really good, that's very good uh Wonderful. Yeah, it's good. It's good to know based on the uh, earlier pepper question. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. Tova Martin, our guest today, as we talk about plants, we've talked about overwintering them. We've taken actually all kinds of plant questions, and you can join in. Number to call, one 800 642 or you could email us in the email address, ideas at wpr.org. I'm Larry Miller with Tova Martin for Garden Talk on the Ideas Network. Great to have you with us for this edition of Garden Talk. Larry Miller here with my guest, Tova Martin. She is a perennial heirloom vegetable and cottage gardener uh, accredited as an organic land care professional and uh, has written a number of books, bestsellers. And it's great to have her with us today. I hope you'll join in if you have a question. Uh, Our lines are filled, but here's the number, 800-642-1234. You can email us to ideas at WPR.org. John in New Berlin has a comment for us. Let's go there. Hi, John. Good morning, Larry. I wanted to share some Chicago hearty fig experience. Uh, Wonderful. Thank you. I had successfully grown a Chicago hearty fig in a pot uh, on our deck, and I overwintered it in our attached unheated garage. That was successful for about four years until we had one of those really brutal winters uh, where you were seeing zero and below for several days. Um, and it never, it never recovered from that. So two years ago, I decided I'm going to try an experiment, and I bought another Chicago hardy fig, put it out back, and I put a fence. Oh, it probably has about four feet in any direction and three feet high. And after things go dormant and it loses its leaves, I, it loses its leaves, I fill it with leaves, oak leaves and stuff, uh, you know, to kind of insulate it. That, mm-hmm. was, that was two years ago. The first year I thought it had died because everything died back, was di- dead after I uncovered it in the spring. But at the end of June, it sh- that first year, it shot up new spruit uh, shoots. Wow. Yeah, and, and then this past year, I, again, I put the leaves in there, and it's, and the branches started shooting up uh, new leaves earlier at like 8 to 10 inches above the ground. So no fruit yet, but I'm hoping the three years is a charm. <laughs> yeah, um, that's wonderful because it is a little tricky, uh, you know, getting fruiting wood. Uh, the difference between, you know, keeping it alive and getting fruiting wood can be a little bit of a challenge, but um, especially on that second year, sounds like the, um, you know, the older growth managed to survive. So that's great. Yeah, that's wonderful, John, and and some good information uh, for our earlier caller as well. Yeah, building that little, um, but uh, his idea of putting it under his um, mobile home, that, you know, that's that's an interesting protection. But, of course, he, that is not, you know, you wouldn't be able to do that in the ground. But um, John's idea here is so, great for a fig in the ground. Megan in Black Creek, Wisconsin, emailed to say she lost her three-year-old meter lemon tree late winter last year. She has some theories on what went wrong, but wants to try again. 
wonders, is it better to, to get a lemon tree going into winter or springtime when it can start outside? You know, I don't know if it, that matters that much. Uh, you have to bring it in anyway. And I find that it's very hard to find lemons any other time but, you know, early winter or fall uh, on the market, you know. It's hard to find the plants. So I think um, if she can find a lemon tree to buy, she should get it now. She can get it now and bring it. And winter it, it indoors. Yeah. That's, it, it would always need to be wintered indoors. Oh, yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. There you go. Thank you for that question. And Kirsta and Appleton, we go to you. Hi, Kirsta. Hello, can you hear me okay? Yes. Wonderful. So, um, and I love your show, Larry. This is probably one of my favorites. Um, I, um, I brought in a bay leaf this year. It's kind of like a little bush, and I have it in an east-facing window. That's our biggest window that we have in our house, and I don't have any grow lights or anything on it. It's in a little pot. I just didn't know if she had any suggestions for overwintering a bay leaf. Yeah, um, you know, they're they're very slow-growing, but they do make fine houseplants. There's nothing difficult about that as a houseplant. So you should be able to, to you know, uh, make that happen. Um, it, it, I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't push the growth. Don't give it too large of a container because they do grow very slowly. So just monitor that root system and repot it as it as the root system fills the container, but don't, you know, give it too large of a graduation. But um, just water it evenly. Give it, if, if your east sounds like it's a pretty, you know, a, a bountiful light. So you should you should be good to go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why there wouldn't be, uh, there shouldn't be any problems with it. Let's put it that way, Kirsten. Yeah. Again, the the bay tree is not hardy. And, um, in, uh, yeah. you know, our, I'm also in Zone 5, so um, in our region, it it would not be hardy. So you do need to protect that indoors for the other listeners. Pam in Kellogg, Minnesota. Your turn. Hi, Pam. Good morning. I had this pot of strawberries that never got into the garden. And, it, it, you know, every year there's something that doesn't get into the garden. <laughs> so, <laughs> then it started having all these little babies. And I said, okay, it's going to freeze pretty soon. And I started snipping them off. And then I was with the dilemma, okay, how would I get these dormant? So what I did was rooted them. Now I have all these rooted little babies, and I'm thinking, now what do I do? Should I pot them and keep them in the south and see what they do over winter? Should I put them in the fridge and try to put them dormant? And I they, just... they don't have to go dormant. Am I right about that, Larry? Yeah, I, don't... I mean, I've had them – I've, I've... – They've actually popped up in pots, <laughs> and I, that I've I brought indoors, and um, heaven knows how they got there. But anyway, um, they and they just, you know, been fine over the winter. I can't say that they produced any fruit over the winter, 
but they just were beautiful little plants. Yeah, yeah, no reason why not. Pam, thank you very much uh, for calling. Appreciate your call. Well, um, you know, Megan had mentioned earlier about her lemon tree, and I, I did announce on the show, but you probably haven't heard it, that I've lost limey. Oh, I was going to ask about limey. Yeah. That's tragic. It is. Um, uh, I And I tried to keep, you know, she's. I've had her for many years. Uh, and yeah. They and don't live forever, do they? They don't live forever, and she got scale, and I tried to get her uh, <laughs> cured of it, but it was just uh, not in the card. So I'm getting, I'm going to be getting a new limey and starting. Yeah, I also lost my calamundin orange this uh, last year. Um, again, same exact scenario. Yeah. Mm. Too bad, uh, and I'm, um, I miss uh, Limey, so i got to get a new one quick. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky because, um, you know, Larry, sometimes, I, and I've heard this advocated, but I've never tried it. Um, some people find when they get older, if you give them a big, you know, kind of a, a, a drastic haircut, you know, cut them back drastically and make them, make new growth, they get like a new vim and vigor on the oldies. Oh. Yeah. Too late for me. Well, <laughs> not for the, because the next one is going to live to be equally old. I, I'm sure hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pam in Madison has a question. Let's go there. Hi, Pam. Well, I'm not a gardener by any means, and I planted a red pepper, sweet pepper on my patio, and then I'm a travel nurse. So I had a travel assignment in northern Wisconsin, and it had so many peppers on it, I thought, what the heck, I'll bring it with, and I put it in front of the patio door, which was the only light, and I couldn't believe it. It kept producing red peppers, you know, all winter. I mean, really? people had Christmas trees, and I had this sweet red pepper <laughs> with pepper all over it. I mean, I was just shocked. Oh, man. So there you go. There you go. Um, we, we, this, the, subject, the sub subject here is um, peppers. It's Ellen <laughs> and Andrew and, and, and everybody have been talking about their peppers. Um, but it's nice to hear that you have had success with this. Um, Pam, Anything else you can give us? A, a bright light sounds like. Yeah. What was the temperature like? Um, it was warm because mm. I kept the apartment warm where mm -hmm. I was um, stayed put for the job. And the only light was this patio door. And I just put it, plopped it right in front of there and watered it. And I was amazed, especially being a non-gardener. <laughs> So I really enjoy your program today of what you can bring inside. And I also want to say I just love Larry Mailer and all the programs you have. Well, well, Pam, first of all, I want to say that you're an honorary gardener now. Yes, you sure are. <laughs> we can send a certificate attesting to that fact. Mm. <laughs> oh, and thanks for the kind words, Pam. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Those kind of words just keep you going, you know. Uh, thank you again. Uh, Denise in Winona, Minnesota, what's on your Hello. mind? 
Well, I'm calling because I'm about, just like everybody else, about to bring house plants back in from outside. And last year, I brought a bug in. <clears throat> I didn't know it until about mid, mid-winter, and all of a sudden everything was crawling with it. And so now I've been reading about neem oil, and I'm wondering if there's any advice about making something that's not so caustic for all the rest of us and but would be good for my plants. If anybody's got a solution or a, a home remedy recipe, I would love it. Mm. Well, I don't suggest just spraying until you have a problem, you know. Um, I, I think you should it, 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 it don't assume that you'll have a, a problem um, it I I bring plants out and indoors all the time out in summer in in fall um, and I you know besides a few sow bugs and I have to tell you my cat is death on those um, so we eat patrols. Um, I don't have I don't have problems. Um, you know, I, one thing, Denise, that I would say, uh, just uh, to do um, in you know to prevent problems is keep your plants. What you know, don't let them dry out. Don't let them wilt. Keep them watered but not overwatered just um you know kind of monitor them and don't forget them and that as an organic gardener i have to say that that goes a long way to yeah. preventing problems yeah well as you were talking about earlier if you if it's the soil is gets and stays moist it's going to you know if there's if there's some in there they're going to come out uh, for sure, if there's some insects in there, they're going to come out. If you can dry them out a little bit, you're going to probably be a little happier. Yeah. The, the um, I know it's a delicate balance. Yeah. Um, and, and it changes all the time. It's not like every week is the same because yeah. it has to do with the light and your how much your furnace is going on. But Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, it does indeed. Denise, uh, thank you so much for calling. Appreciate your call. Our guest today, Tova Martin. Tova, it's, so, it's always so much fun uh, to uh, talk with her. She is uh, author of many gardening books and tovamartin.com is her email, uh, is her website address. I'm Larry Mueller for Garden Talk on the Ideas Network. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Garden Talk. Larry Mueller here with my guest. Answering your questions about houseplants and outdoor plants is Tova Martin. She's a perennial heirloom vegetable and cottage gardener, accredited as an organic land care professional and authored many gardening books, including her latest, The Garden in Every Sense and Season, which is now out in uh, paperback. So, 
uh, questions, I hope you will join in at 800-642-1234, or you can email us to ideas at wpr.org. Bill in Wisconsin Rapids has a comment for us about fig trees. Let's go there. Hi, Bill. Hello. Um, I got my sister a fig tree a year ago, and she gets figs, and uh, figs would get a certain size, and then they just fall off. Well, she wasn't fertilizing it, and that's what the problem was with that. Mm. And it will take below zero, but you have to make sure it don't get, like, 20 below. Mm. Yeah. I think they can take, like, 10 below. Um, the Chicago hardy, um, at least. Uh, and there are other hardy figs um, out there. A Chicago hardy is just the most readily available. But... Um, Bill, that's a really good point about the fertilizer. They are the heaviest, they are hungry, hungry plants. Yeah. And the fertilizer, uh, and I'm not sure on the fertilizer, uh, it's uh, heavy what? Phosphorus? Heavy nitrogen? Heavy? I would think nitrogen. Yeah. Um, that that would uh, help. I, I mean, I know that people put them, uh, and eventually, they keep um, boosting the the, um, the pot sizes too uh, when they're when they're potted, um, when they're bringing them in and out. Uh, the, you can get these gigantic pots yeah. um, of of figs because they are such heavy, hungry plants. Yeah, Bill, some good points. Thank you for uh, calling. Appreciate it. Uh, Marge from Iowa will go to you. Hi, Marge. Hi. Happy Friday. To you as well. My neighbor donates maple seeds into my yard every year, <laughs> and I started a tree in a pot, and I'm wondering, it's about four feet tall, and what I should do with it to overwinter it. Hmm. Um, have you overwintered it ever before? No, it's a new sapling. Huh. Not very big wow. rounds yet. Wow. Um, you know, um, you they do like to go into their dormancy. I know, you know, the only experience I've got on this is, you know, talking to people that uh, make bonsai out of, um, out of the deciduous trees. Um, so um, you might... You know, they they usually do put them in quite a cold. They they yeah. put them in a cold area. You could uh, you if you're going to leave it in the pot, which you probably should at this point. Uh, you'd want to bury the pot, bury mm. the pot in the ground, and and at least in my mind anyway, and then try and provide it some protection from. Uh, <laughs> The the uh, animals that might want to take a bite out of it, since it's small. Mm. Um, so I guess I would I would do that. I wouldn't I wouldn't put any mulch around it though until the ground. I'd I'd bury it, you know, at the proper depth um, uh, for the pot, and then I would when it when the ground freezes, then I would put some uh, mulch on it. I'd wait for the ground to freeze before I put the mulch on so you're not mm. providing a nice home for the voles and so forth. 
So that, <laughs> that's, that's what I'd do. Uh, whether or not it'll make it, uh, I, I don't think you should leave, take it in the house. Do you, uh, no, Tova? I, I, yeah, I, I mean, she'd have to put it in like a, a an unheated well, garage, yeah. maybe. Maybe in an unheated garage with uh, some packing around the the tree. But I think the easier would be to put just dig a hole and... and I agree. I agree. I know a lot of people that do have um, accent Japanese maples and that they... You know, up in up in northern New England, that are not quite hardy, and they uh, they they do exactly what you suggest, and it works. Yeah, it does. Marge, good and luck they, with. And then it. they dig them up actually and put them back in the container. Yeah, in her and, case, she could uh, you know once the you know once a, I'd plant it in the spring in a, the spot where you want it, uh, take it out of the pot, make sure the roots aren't circling. Um, sort of spread those roots out and plant, unless you, I, you know, I don't think you'd want to keep it in a pot forever anyway. Oh, you wouldn't probably wouldn't be able to. It'd you wouldn't be able big. to. It'd, it'd be too big. So in the spring, take it out of the pot, make sure the roots aren't in a kind of a girdling motion and spread them out and plant it. And there you go. Marge, thanks. Uh, Barbara in Grand Marsh, your turn. Hi, Barbara. Hello. You probably start to recognize Barbara and Grand Marsh because I always have a question for you. <laughs> <laughs> but this time my, my friend gave me a beautiful aloe plant who has since given birth. I have it on my sun porch, but in the wintertime, I close off the sun porch because I don't want to eat it. I want to bring the aloe in. Should I water it or not? Um, well, water it when it's dry. Um, aloes, um, as you can tell from those succulent, succulent leaves, they they don't need a whole lot of water. Um, they're water storing plants, but they, uh, if you give it a sunny location, the sunniest you can give it, and um, you don't have to give it a huge pot. Uh, it's amazing how small the container. Is. I mean, usually the pups start, you know, pushing out, and, and people want to accommodate those, but um, with a with a slightly wider pot, but it doesn't have to be deep at all, and um, just don't overwater it. That's yeah. the trick to aloes. Yeah, and then they, they're a great plant in the indoors, so... In, in, mm. um, uh, you have gotten some great advice from Tova here, I think. Thanks, Barbara, for calling. Bob and Madison will give you a chance. Hi, Bob. Thanks. I have five of Tova's books that I really enjoy. Oh, thank you. My question, my question is, uh, I bought a Bengali plant at the farmer's market this summer, and this fall the flower stalk has started taking off, and now it's about seven feet tall. And I know agave plants die after the flower stalk is finished blooming, are mangavis the same way? Will it die, or should I cut the stalk, the stalk off now so the plant survives? Um, does it have any pups? Yeah, no, but it has all sorts of flowers on the stalk, but no pups. No pups. Hmm. Um, because you know, I would just keep it for now. It might make pups 
you know, eventually before it actually, before that stock dies back, um, before that, you know, before that center uh, dies back, just just keep it and hope for, hope that it makes more pops. Yeah, it's your your best bet there, Bob. Thank you uh, for calling and good luck. Uh, let's go to Judd in Iola. Hi, Judd. Hi, my name is Jude. Oh, Jude, sorry. Uh, that's okay. Anyway, I have a three catalpa trees in my yard, and they're like Jack and the Beanstalk. They're just 20, 30, 35 feet tall. And um, But two of them have the, the bean pods, and the other one doesn't. Now, if I wanted to, to start a new plant, how would I do that? Uh, through the bean pod, uh, the seeds that are in there? Or is that not uh, something that I can do with that? I never find new ones coming up in the in the uh, grass. Mm, neither have I. Yeah. Larry, do you have wisdom on that one? No, I have no <laughs> wisdom on that one. I would, I honestly have no experience with that. I'm sorry. I I, I think Judith's got a point that she's never. Her observation is that she's never seen seedlings. Neither have I. Um, I've never ever seen seedlings on that coming up, um, so it. I, I, I'm thinking it might be a little difficult from seed, but um, I have had them. I have had. The, I've had to. You know, I've lost the tree and had to cut it way back and had it sprout up from almost nothing in the ground. So. Yeah. Yeah. Judd, I wish we had more for you, but that's what we've got. Thank you so much for calling. Appreciate it. Veta in Warrenville, Illinois, emailed. She recently bought a grow light since she doesn't have a window with good light in the winter. It's an LED full spectrum, not the ones with the purple light. And she plans to run it 12 hours a day. Do you have any comments about grow lights? Well, you know, I, I never... I only use grow lights, actually auxiliary, um, to uh, boost a window when I'm starting seeds or something like that. Um, I I don't have, I can't say that I've got a whole lot of experience with the newer, you know, the newer setups. So um, I, I don't have anything much to add on that. I always had, well, I had Limey in a south-facing window in the winter, but then I had a pole lamp. <laughs> I used mm. a pole lamp with grow lights, so you kind of up and down the uh, the plant. It got lights at different uh, heights. Yeah. I do know that, um, you know, it, 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 it sort of maxes out that there's a certain amount of uh, light, hours of light that, Beyond that, you know, they don't really benefit. Yeah, twelve hours is—I wouldn't go beyond. I don't think yeah. you go beyond twelve hours for sure. Uh, Sandy email. I'm sorry, uh, Cheryl in Madison emailed. She has a bougainvillea that has, and that was in a hanging pot outside all summer. Pretty large, three feet around, four feet long before it was repotted and, and given a good trim. She'd like to keep it over winter again this year since it did make it through last winter in the mm-hmm. house. Any tips about what to do? It, it lost most leaves last winter in the house but came back well when it went back outside. You know, bougainvilleas are amazing, 
amazing house plants. Um, they really um, they can go into a little bit of a dormancy and they can pop out of it. And um, you, uh, I find that they like a little bit of a wilt. Um, that they, you know, that that you can, they bloom best when you, you know, you, you, you withhold a little water a little and then give them a drink and again, poof, <laughs> there's those flowers. Um, you know, it's amazing how quickly they do make flowers. Um, but they, the only thing I'm going to warn Cheryl about is that. They are prone to stem mealybug, so keep an eye out for that. Mm. Penny in Mount Vernon, Minnesota, has uh, a comment here. Let's go there. Hi, Penny. Yeah, hi. How are you? Good. Appreciate the call. Okay, so I moved here a little over a year ago from New Jersey, and I brought with me a cutting and of a pot of a fig tree um, that I had had there. I uh, put it in, in like a little foyer area last winter, hoping it would come back. And I, most of it died off, but a sprout did come back. And I did repot it in a smaller pot to make it more manageable. Now I want to know what is my best thing to do for overwintering. I don't have really an unheated spot that doesn't get super cold. I'm afraid of putting it back in the hog barn because I did lose most of it last year, what would be best? Um, you know, they they don't really, they, they're fine. I find that they're fine in an average home if you, you know, unless until they get too big for that. They, I have grown them in, in windows. I mean, they always go dormant. Um, and my house is very, very cool. So um, I, I guess... Uh, if you can find a place like a room that is got less heat than the rest of the house or something like that, um, maybe even a, like a recessed window, like a bay window, um, that would be the best. I definitely think you're going to have to, uh, if it's, you know, just a small little plant and you fail to, you know, winter it outdoors, you you're definitely going to have to keep it inside someplace. But, um, you know, the trick with a lot of them is to get that, you know, two-year, because a lot of them fruit on the older wood. Yeah, good points. Penny, good luck. Thank you very much. Jan in Antioch, Illinois, your turn. Hi, Jan. Hi, Larry. Thank you for taking this call. Um, I have been doing straw bales for a long time, and this is the first year uh, this last fall here that I got Bacillium wilt, I think. And I pulled out all the tomato plants, wonderful crop. They're cooking up good. Um, what do I do? i got to get rid of the dirt or the straw bales now. But what about the hoses and all the um, – I use horse mats in between the rows. Does all that have to be cleaned or scrubbed for the following next year? Larry, do you want to? Uh, so you, it was it verticillium wilt that you had? I think so. It started from the bottom. All the leaves came off. Everything. I just had tomatoes hanging on the vines. 
Um, you know, you're probably going to have to do some, um, you may have to do some cleanup on this, but I don't want to uh, say without perfect knowledge here, but the person who does have perfect knowledge is Brian Huddleston. And if you go to the UW Plant Disease Diagnostic Clinic, type in UW Plant Disease Diagnostic Clinic, it'll come up. Send him a note, and he's really quick about responding. Uh, he, I'm always surprised at how quickly he responds to uh, uh, questions. And you'll get a good answer from him on that. The UW Plant Disease Diagnostic Clinic, Brian Huddleston. Well, um, Sandy emailed, uh, she purchased a beautiful uh, yellow hibiscus last spring as a Mother's Day gift, but when uh, she got it home, it, its leaves started to turn yellow and fall off. She thought it was going to die, uh, so she kept it anyway, and it came back really nicely for the summer. Mm. She's, she's now brought it inside, hoping to keep it until next spring. It is doing the same thing. <laughs> is this normal, or should she just be doing something different to keep it over winter? Alas, they are the most dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> they swoon. Um, yeah. Um, the only thing I'm going to say to Sandy is, um, you know, uh, is that they are sensitive to any type of gas. Um, it, for some reason. Um, so if, you know, she's cooking with gas, anything like that, um, it, they are going to be sensitive to that. Um, but they often, I, I, I think we all, <laughs> anybody who's ever interacted with a hibiscus has, you know, there's sudden, they're drama, they're drama queen. How's that? <laughs> Oh, boy. <clears throat> well, you're right about that. <clears throat> Brenda called to remind us to check for critters in our plants when we bring them in. She had a, a toad over winter in a Swedish ivy, didn't know it was in there. <laughs> and then she had to go and find food for it. Uh, but it survived uh, the uh, overwintering of this this last uh, last year. But... <laughs> She had to go to a little bit of work to find out what the heck do you feed a toad in the winter. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That little hitchhiker, he just, he had, he, he had your number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, uh, Tova, it is always such a pleasure to have you with us. I, I Thank you so much. And uh, I hope you'll come back and do it again. Absolutely. This was the most fun. <laughs> Tova, the thanks. most fun, Larry. Tova Martin, our guest today. Um, TovaMartin.com is her site. If you want to go and take a look, she's got lots of information on her site. Uh, T-O-V-A-H is how her first name is spelled. TovaMartin.com. And uh, she'll be back for sure. We always have a lot of fun together. And I, I know that uh, she'll be back to be with us. Just a, a quick note or two. I wanted to remind you that you can join us on Thursday, next week, Thursday, October 26th, from 11 to noon for our next virtual book club meeting. 
This time we talk with Ron Rindo. Uh, Ron's the author of the haunting book, really, Breathing Lake Superior. And it takes a look at the mental strain of overwhelming grief when it becomes entangled with the promise of hope and ecstatic faith. Still time to read it. You can pick a copy up this weekend and uh, get it read. And uh, Thursday of next week, uh, we'll be talking to Ron Rindo. That's Thursday, October 26th, right here on the Ideas Network. Looking ahead uh, to Monday at this time, we'll talk about what it takes physically to be in a marching band. You been in a marching band? Uh, I bet you got a story. <laughs> and you're going to be hearing some more stories uh, as we uh, talk with, uh, with the, the, our guests. And then we'll have some funny stories about minor league baseball. Somebody hit a home run that went 300 miles. We'll talk about that on Monday as well. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And please stay with us. Lots more in store on the Ideas Network. I'm Larry Miller. 